Amen. Well, go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, if you have your Bibles. Um, also remember that we have all of our messages on, uh, online in the Version app, if you have your phone or if you have your, you know, whatever device that you have that you can get that. You can follow right along. I like to make that announcement. Just It's one, other, one more way that you can get connected with the service and one more way that you can get, get hooked up. Notes are in there, and you can take your own notes and, and follow along and receive everything that's uh, spoken tonight. But tonight I want to go with uh, a message. The title of our message is, He Who Promised is Faithful. He Who Promised is Faithful. And um, I want to talk about receiving God's promises. And we know that God has promises. In fact, if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, there in the New King James, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. I apologize ahead of time if I talk kind of funny. I just burned the mess out of my tongue on some coffee. And uh, so it's kind of numb right now. I can't really, even really feel it. So we'll just kind of go with it and see what happens. But Hebrews chapter 10, 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. I got it in a couple other versions here. In the New Living Translation, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. The Message Translation says, Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Now, promises is something that here in, you know, in 2012 and in America, you know, with our culture, we got a, we got a, a hard time sometimes with promises because uh, we actually see more people breaking promises than keeping promises. And, uh, you know, you got to go back to the culture of the Bible that when they said something, it was done. Uh, when, 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 when someone said, I'm going to do this, or I'll be there, or I'll help you with this, or, um, you know, I'm going to give you this, you knew they were going to do it. Today, we have to sign a million different documents and, you know, have all, you know, here's your copy, here's my copy, here's the copy for the attorneys, and, you know, all kinds of different stuff just to get it into a binding contract. But back, you know, in Bible times, a man's word was as good as he is. And if you gave your word to somebody, then you were going to do it. But even beyond that, God is a man, the Bible says, that he cannot lie. The Bible says uh, that when he promises something, he is faithful to keep the promise. Uh, you know, and we just saw in New Living Translation, he's, he's good at keeping his word. We saw in, in the Message Bible that you can take him at his word. And so this is something you have to come outside of your box of what we, what we see each other in in everyday life, uh, you know, in, in keeping a promise or believing that someone will keep a promise and not go back on their word or actually do what they say they're going to do, actually be somewhere when they say they're going to be somewhere. And God is beyond all that because he who promised is faithful. He who promises faithfulness. You, you can basically lock up faithfulness in this. He can do it and he will do it. Faithfulness is he can do it and he will do it. Sometimes people tell us they're going to do stuff that they just can't even physically do. And then sometimes people tell us they're going to do stuff that they could do, but they fail at doing or they won't do it. 
or they're, you know, they just don't feel like doing that or following through. But when we talk about faithfulness, when we talk about God's faithfulness, we're talking about his ability to do something. He can do it. And then we're talking about his uh, ability to, uh, his willingness to do it, that he will do it. He can do it, and he will do it. And why is that important? Well, when we hear a promise from God, sometimes we might have a doubt in one of those areas. We get a promise from God that he's going to do this in our lives. And we ask this question, one of two questions. Can God really do that? Is God really capable of getting me out of debt? Is God really capable of helping me raise my kids in a godly manner? Is, is God really capable of saving my marriage? Is God really capable of uh, ridding my body of this sickness and this disease that seems to be taken over? We, we question the ability. But then there's the other side where we, we question if he wants to. We question his willingness. Is he willing to do that? Is he wanting to do that? And then we have all kinds of questions on, well, is it the right timing? Is, it, is this God, what God really wants to do? Is God maybe trying to teach me something? And we have all these different questions about his promises. And the promise is no longer good enough because now we start questioning things on the inside of that. And we can go out through his word and we can find the word promise in there many times. We can find uh, that he makes promises, that he has blessings for people, for mankind. But we always get hung up in one of those questions. Can he do it? Does he have the ability and the power to perform that? Or will he do it? Is this the right timing? Will he really do that for me? Yeah, he did it for them, but will he do that for me? So I want to help answer some questions, but kind of what we get stuck in, um, and, and this is kind of where I want to go tonight, when we look at these promises that God makes, is what we do, and, and we do this with God because we do this with each other. If, if someone makes a promise to us, uh, if it doesn't take place in the timely manner that we're thinking, or if we don't really think that they're able to do that, we try to find a way to make it happen. We try to find a way to fulfill someone else's promise. In essence, uh, if, it, if someone makes a promise, it is their responsibility to fulfill the promise. If I go to Brent and say, hey, Brent, um, I'm going uh, to be there tomorrow at your job uh, at 8 o'clock sharp tomorrow morning. I'm going to be there to help you do whatever. Say me and him are working on a project. I'll be there at 8 a.m. Well, if I don't show up, if I fail to fulfill the promise of being there to help him, he's going to try to fulfill that promise without me. He's either going to try to do the work all by himself or he'll say, well, I'll just call somebody else to get it done. You know, if somebody were to come up to you and say, I'm, I promise to buy you a new vehicle. They just leave it open. I promise to buy you a new vehicle. And you're really in need of a new vehicle. And if it doesn't show up in the timely manner that you're expecting it to show up, you are now questioning, did they really want to do that? Or can they do that? Did they even have the ability to, to follow through? I know this happened uh, with a friend of mine down in Florida. Someone confronted them. They were having a baby. 
and uh, someone said, we've got a vehicle that we want to give to you. They left it open-ended. They didn't give them a time frame and say, next Thursday we'll give you our vehicle. They didn't say that. They just said, we want to give you our vehicle. It was an SUV. It would have helped them greatly with having a child. They only had one vehicle, and so this would have been a blessing to them. Well, after a while, they started questioning some things. Did they really, did they really want to give me their vehicle? Did they really want to give us that vehicle? Were they really willing to do that, or did they just say that? Or the ability question, can they? I mean, are they even in a position to get rid of a vehicle? Can they get out from under the vehicle? Or whatever the situation is. So after a while, the couple that was told, you're going to be given a vehicle, they began to look for a way to fulfill someone else's promise without the other person. Now this is what we do in natural. But the problem is, is we've carried this over to the spiritual. We've carried this over to God. And when God makes a promise to us, and we don't see it show up in a timely manner, then we show up and we try to fulfill, in essence, we try to fulfill God's promise for him. We try to take care of the situation outside of him doing anything. The bottom line is that when God makes a promise, his promises come with his power. So basically, he's the only one that can fulfill the promise that we're looking for. He's the only one that can fulfill, he's the only one that can save the marriage that he's promised us he will save. He's the only one that can get us in financial freedom that he said he can get us into provision according to riches in heaven. He's the only one that can get us uh, free from sickness and disease in our bodies. But yet there's times where we don't see those things take place fast enough, and so we begin to try to figure it out on our own. Well, I guess... Uh, God's not going to show up with the answer, so I'm going to try to fulfill God's promise for him. And I want to show you a man in the Bible that did this. We want to take a walk through his life because you'll find that many times when the Bible talks about uh, the promise of God, it always goes back to one man. If you go through the New Testament, if you look up the word promise or promises or promise, you'll find that the Bible keeps referring back to one man. Uh, go over here with me real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I want to lay this quick foundation. We just saw that when God makes a promise, he is faithful to perform it. That means he has the ability to do it and the willingness to do it. The faithfulness means he can do it. You're not very faithful if you show up to do something you can't do. If you show up and say, hey, I'm here, I'm here on time, but if you can't do it, the other party's not going to count you as very faithful. Yeah, you know, they were there right on time, but they couldn't fulfill the task or the assignment that they were going to do. And then faithfulness also ties you to the willingness. Yes, I do want to do it. I can do it, and I will do it. But 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. That means that when God makes a promise, it's for your benefit, and it will happen. First thing I have to do is I have to eradicate all doubt that God's promises can come true. 
first thing I have to do. If you view God through your natural American culture mindset of, well, I don't know if he's really going to follow through, then the whole rest of the sermon you'll miss it. But when you can get God and understand that he is faithful to perform the promises, his promises are yes and amen, he will do it, he can do it, then you'll receive everything else I have to say. Go over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Galatians chapter 3. And verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say into seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Let me explain this. God, and we're getting ready to go there, in Genesis chapter 12, shows up and talks to a man named Abraham. At the time, his name was Abram. And he says, you will be a father of many nations. God made a promise. And he showed him where his people would dwell. He said, this is the land that you will dwell in. If you want to talk about giving God time to fulfill a promise, Abraham was 75 when God first showed up. He didn't have his first baby until he was 100. 25 years. Are you willing to wait 25 years for the promise of God to show up in your life. Then on top of that, he said, and this is where your descendants and children will inhabit. That was called the promised land. Well, we know that Israel got enslaved to the Egyptians for over 400 years. The promised land is sitting out here, and God's people are not inhabiting any of it for over 400 years. But yet God made a promise. And when God makes a promise, he can do it, and he will do it, and he will follow through. His promises are yes and amen, okay? So what happened was, is the law showed up. Basically, God's promise to man took too long, so man decided we'll do it ourselves. And that's where the law comes in. And that's what we're talking about tonight, is the one who promised you is faithful to perform the promise. So we have to stay out of trying to fulfill God's promise for ourselves. And that's what the law did. And that's why, he, that's why the verse says here, he says uh, in, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 17, and this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed. That means it cannot void the contract that God made. That's what a covenant is. A covenant is a contract. God made a covenant. And the law that man created, it cannot void out the contract. That's how strong God's promises are. That when God makes a promise, you can't even void it out. But a lot of times we're looking for the answer and trying to work it out ourselves. Go over to Genesis chapter 12. Go over to Genesis chapter 12. 
if you have your Bibles. And we're going to go on a little journey here with this man named Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, this is where Abram shows up and it says, Now the Lord had said to him, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Notice here that he wasn't trying to make him a great religion. He was trying to make a great nation. God has always been about a kingdom, and he's always been about a people, a nation of people residing in that kingdom. He was not trying to start Christianity. He was not trying to start a religion where a bunch of people say they believe in someone. He was looking for a people that would be citizens of a kingdom. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, So he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he says this to a man named Abram, who at this time is 75 years old, and he tells him to get up and leave everything he knows. Get up and leave the country that you're living in. Leave your father's house. Leave your family. Take everything that you have and go on a journey. And he doesn't tell him where to go. He just says, go. So Abraham here receives the first promise. Now go on down to Genesis chapter 16, Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Now, God told Abram, you're going to have children. You're going to be the father of many nations. His wife, Sarah, has never been able to have children, and she is 10 years younger than he is. So this ain't looking good. Just starting out. This isn't looking real good. So here's what Abram and Sarah decide they're going to do. Since You know, apparently there's something we're doing wrong here uh, because we're not seeing God's promise fulfilled yet. So let's try to make, let's help God out. Let's help God fulfill his promise to us. And she says, I have a maid. Why don't you go and have children with her? I mean, that's basically the same thing, same household. I mean, you're the father of many nations. Maybe I'm not the one that's in the equation here. And so you look at verse 3. It says, Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, gave her to her husband, uh, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So, hey, we've got a child now. They weren't. Maybe that was God's promise. Maybe this is what 
Maybe God just needed a little help in the fulfilling of the promise area. God made a promise to us, and we're obviously incapable. See, God isn't looking at your abilities to fulfill his promises. Let's just go ahead and get that squared away. In fact, many times you'll see that he promised people something where they were incapable of doing exactly what he asked them to do. And he promised Abram. Why didn't he pick a young man? Why didn't he pick a guy in his 20s that just got married and was just having kids like crazy? Because if you look in the Bible, some of these people were having some crazy amounts of kids. I mean, you got some with 12 kids, some with 7 kids, some with 15 kids, some with 10 kids. You just read on down the line. And we picked the one man that's 75 years old who's married to another woman just as old as he is, and she can't even have kids. And he says, you'll be the father of many nations. God, when he makes a promise, isn't looking at your ability. He's not looking at your inability. He's looking at his ability. His ability is what gets the promise done. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help to fulfill the promise. There is a requirement that we have, and we'll see this throughout this passage. There is a stance and a position that we have to remain in. There is a responsibility, but he's not waiting for us to be able to do something when he speaks and makes a promise. His promises many times will be spoken to our inabilities. He makes a promise that you will own a business and, and you're going to be influential and, and be able to hire people and, 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 and have employees and be able to administrate the kingdom of God through your business. Well, Father, I haven't even, uh, I haven't even finished school. I didn't even graduate high school. I didn't even go to college. I don't even have the degrees. He's not waiting for your ability He's talking to your inability and saying, it's my ability in you that's going to get it done. He's making promises to people every day that don't have the natural ability to accomplish his promise. Why? Because when it's all said and done, he's the one that's going to fulfill it, not you. Not me. He's the one that's going to fulfill the promise. He's the one that has the ability, the capability, the can do and the will do to fulfill his own promises. We don't have to try to fulfill them for him. So Genesis chapter 21. Some time goes by here. We were in 16. Now we're in five chapters later. In Genesis chapter 21 in verse 1. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Now, you know, there's, there is an, actually a whole other instance where God shows up. Jesus shows up to Abraham under a tree. And tells him again, by this time next year, you'll have a child. Well, Sarah was in her tent a little ways off. And she heard it and she laughed. She laughed about it. There are sometimes God will make promises in our lives that will just make you laugh. 
They'll just be so far out there. It's a promise. He's probably already made you some promises. You can probably already think of some stuff right now that, that God has promised you or that he has called you to do. That he's, got, that he's wanting to fulfill in your life. And you're thinking, how in the world are we going to fulfill that? How are we going to do that? But Abraham was an obedient man. See, Abraham, when he was 75 years old, obeyed God and left everything he knew to go in search of a land. And all he had was the word go. So God knew this man's going to follow my word. This man's going to listen to what I'm saying. And even though it may be beyond his ability, even though it may be beyond uh, his control and outside of his doing, I'm going to show myself great in him. I'm going to fulfill the promise that I've made to him. And it's going to be because of my ability not because of his ability, not because of his wife's ability. And Abraham and Sarah, they, they devised a little plan and said, well, you know what, maybe we need to help God out. And so Abraham sleeps with uh, Sarah's maid, he's given to him as his wife, and she bears a son, but God comes back and says, what are you doing? That's not part of my plan. My plan is that you and Sarah, he even calls Sarah, he changes her name. Her name was Sarai, and he changes her name to Sarah and says, you will be the mother of many nations. He changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham and says, you will be the father of many nations. There was one time uh, Abraham went out. It was late at night, and he went out uh, outside of his tent and was saying, God, how in the world is this going to happen? I mean, you've got to explain something to me here. How in the world is your promise that you're saying you're going to fulfill my life? How's it going to come to pass? We're way beyond years to be having children. And on top of that, we can't have children. I mean, it's double jeopardy here. We're in big trouble. You have picked the wrong person. And he says, look up in the sky. He says, the, the, your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. Your descendants will be as many as the grains of sand on the beach. And all he needed was one. And Isaac was born to him. The promise was fulfilled. The promise took place in Abraham's life. But now look here in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. See, sometimes, you know, we, we think that if we see God do something great in our lives, it'll be easy for us to believe him do it, be able to do it every time. And that's just not a true statement. The Bible says that we move from faith to faith. Now, you look at Abraham and Sarah's, you're thinking, man, if that was me, if I was 100 years old, my wife was 90 years old, she was unable to bear kids for 90 years, and now all of a sudden we have a baby, man, there's nothing God can't do. I mean, how many of you think that you would be in a position of, man, it doesn't matter what God asked me to do. There is nothing crazier than this that God can ask me to do. That's me. I'm thinking, dude, he can, he can ask me to grow wings and fly around the whole entire universe, and I'll, I'll be able to do it. 
But you want to talk about crazy, look what happens in Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass, verse 1, after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, I know Abraham just went through something crazy. God just showed up and made something ridiculous happen in his life. But now he's in a whole other boat. Now the child that God has promised to him. Remember, Abraham and Sarah, they went through the whole, let's devise our own plan. Let's try to figure it out on our own. And that didn't work out. And God came back and said, no, I'm able to perform it. I will do it. Now you got Abraham having to offer up that son on a mountain as a burnt offering. He is now being asked to sacrifice his son. It's getting crazy now. So verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid, on, laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And look at Abraham's response. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Abraham is now so focused that if God has promised something, he is able to perform it. He will get it done. And he makes a statement of faith and he says, God will provide the lamb. God will provide the burnt offering. Up to this point, there had been no one raised from the dead. But I want to tell you how convinced God is. Or I want to tell you how convinced Abraham is that God will come through. Abraham is in a position of, if I have to kill my son, God will raise him back up. Why is he convinced of that? Because God made a promise. And God showed himself faithful to perform the promise. And Abraham knows God promised it, so it has to come to pass, no matter what. This is the son that God promised me, and if he dies, he will come back to life. That's his position. But he tells his son, his son, who is looking for another natural way to do this thing, Isaac doesn't know that he's getting ready to be put on that altar. But Isaac is thinking, wait a minute, naturally speaking, we're missing something. And that's how many of us are when God makes a promise. 
God makes a promise and we say, okay, we got this and we have this, but wait, God, we're missing this. And our position needs to be, God will provide. God promised, so he'll provide. Because he's faithful and able and willing to perform the promise. He can do it. So, they keep on going. Verse 9, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and placed the wood in order. And they bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. See, Abraham once was in a position of, if we don't see something show up after a while, I guess we need to do something to try to make it happen. I guess God's not really going to get me out of this debt, so I guess I need to go get a loan. I don't know if God's really wanting to save my marriage, so I guess I need to go see some, see some counseling, or maybe we just need to split this thing up and just call it quits. I guess there's really no hope for my children, so I guess you know we just need to hope that the school system can do something with them. And God is saying, I have promised, I am faithful to fulfill the promise in your life, I can do it, and I want to do it. Let me fulfill the promise that I make. He's not looking for us to step in and try to figure it out on our own. What is he looking for? What, is, what are we supposed to be doing? Look it over in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 says, see that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. That word patience refers to restraint. Restraint. See, we've all known as faith as, as action. We've all known as faith as doing something. But here, he says that the promises of God are fulfilled in your life when you stand in faith, knowing that God can do it and he will do it, because that's what faithfulness is. And if you have faith in someone who is faithful, then you believe that they can do it and you believe that they will do it. But then he says, patience. Then he says, waiting. Then he says, restraining yourselves, holding back, 
not feeling like you have to do everything to make his promise come to pass in your life. There is an action of faith, but sometimes faith is just waiting back and saying, God, you got this. You promised. You promised that this was going to take place. And you just keep reminding him of his promise. And you keep reminding him. And you keep reminding him. And you keep saying, you said you made, you made healing available for my body. You said you would have, uh, I would have all provision. You said that I would be able to raise my children in a way that they should go. And when they get old, they wouldn't depart. You said that I could have a marriage relationship that is godly and has you at the center. You said you made the promise, so you're faithful to fulfill it. That's not always having to go out and try to do something about it. Sometimes we just stand in a posture of faith knowing that you said you would do it, you said you are willing to do it, and you said you can do it. The promises of God always come with the power of God. That means he has the ability to do it. There is no power on our end that is required to make it happen. There's no power. There's nothing we can do that can push it along. He's looking for people that, for people that will stand in faith with patience. Stand in a posture of believing him. Uh, the, the Bible speaks many times of Abraham. It talks about Abraham in Acts. It talks about Abraham in Romans. It talks about a- Abraham in Corinthians. It talks about Abraham in Galatians. It talks about Abraham in Hebrews. And it says that he was accounted as righteous. Has anyone ever wondered about that? Righteousness. Well, I thought you had to believe in Jesus, believe that he died on the cross and rose again, and make him Lord of your life to be righteous. But that's not what righteousness means at all. We've made righteousness a religious term, but it's not. It's a kingdom term. It means right standing. How could Abraham be righteous if Jesus hadn't even died on the cross yet? Jesus hasn't even been born yet. No, we're righteous when we believe God at his word and obey him like it's the truth. That's what righteousness is. You are righteous when you hear God's word and obey it and act like it's true and there's no other way. That's why it was accounted to Abraham as righteousness. He was accounted as the most righteous man on the face of the planet because he just obeyed God. He obeyed God when he said, get out of this country and go to a land that I'll lead you. He, he obeyed God when he... Uh, uh, had Isaac. He obeyed God when he put him on that altar even though he might have to lose him. Abraham was a righteous man. He just wanted to follow God at his word. And so we have to be able to identify this in our lives that what are we doing sometimes that we think we are uh, trying to get in the way? What are we trying to do to try to make something happen? When God is saying, I just want you to stand in a position of faith and patience. Let me act on your behalf. There is a power that we have. I'm not saying you're powerless. I'm saying that the power that you have is his power working in you. 
Because when it comes time to act, you're going to need to be able to act. You're going to need to be able to do something. But bottom line is, God doesn't need any help fulfilling his promise. When he promises something to you, he is faithful to perform it. He can do it, and he will do it. What is it that he's promised you? What is it that you know the word of God holds a promise for in your life? And you're clinging to it. And right now, in in the natural, everything around you seems like it's falling apart. Everything in the natural seems like it's not lining up with the promise that he gave you. What is it where we just need to be, uh, we just need to find ourselves in a position of faith and patience. God, I'm standing on your word. God, I'm standing on what you have called me to do. God, I'm standing on the promises that you've given me. God, I'm standing and I'm waiting for you to perform the promise. I know that you're able. I know that you're faithful. I know that you can and will do it. And we just got to find ourselves remaining locked in to the word that he's already given us. He's already given us the promise. If you don't know that he has a promise for you, then we're not spending enough time in this. This is full of promises. This has every promise that you could ever need in your life. No matter what you're going through, there's the promise of his word. And we need to get in there and find the promise. Maybe you have a hard time believing that God is faithful because you haven't seen him act in your life. Give him the opportunity to perform. Give him the opportunity to show up. Give him the opportunity to can. Give him the opportunity to be willing and watch what he wants to do in your life. Amen? Father, we thank you for this night. Father, you are holy. You are worthy. And we thank you, Father, that we don't serve a God that just makes promises and then doesn't follow through. Father, you're a man of your word. You are a God You are a king that cannot lie. When you say something, it has to happen. But, Father, tonight, forgive us for trying to make something happen outside of you. Forgive us for trying to make something happen apart from you. For getting weary and getting tired. You said in your word in, in Hebrews chapter 10 that we need to stand on your word without wavering. Why? Because the one who promised is faithful to perform. Father, you're faithful to perform your word. Father, you're faithful to perform the promises that you give us. That means you can do it. That means you will do it. Father, tonight, we place full trust full assurance, full reliance in your ability to perform your word in us. Father, we thank you for the promise, but we also thank you for your power that accomplishes the promise. We're tired. We're tired of trying to do it on our own. We're we're tired of trying to fulfill your promises. Tonight we make a vow Tonight we make a vow that we will follow your word, apply your promises to our life, 
And we make a vow tonight to allow you to fulfill your promises in us. To allow you to fulfill those promises in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.